The wars that the United States waged after September 11th, 2001 resulted in the deaths of 4.5 million people and displaced between 38 million and 60 million people. That is according to studies done at Brown University, which is an Ivy League school, one of the most prestigious universities in the United States. Scholars there looked at the devastating consequences of the wars that the United States waged in Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Libya, Somalia, and Pakistan following the 9-11 attacks. This is the real, deadly legacy of the so-called War on Terror that Washington launched in response to the attacks on the World Trade Center. And we see the consequences still today. The report emphasized that still today, millions of civilians are suffering in extreme poverty and hunger and are still dying because of the consequences of these wars, despite the fact that the US military withdrew from countries like Afghanistan, the people of Afghanistan are still suffering and dying because of the consequences of that war. Now for people who wanna get access to all of the sources that I'll be discussing today, so you can fact check what I'm saying, I have an article over at geopoliticaleconomy.com, which I'll link to in the description below. And it includes links to all of the reports and other sources that I'll be discussing today. The academic study that found that 4.5 million people died because of the post 9-11 wars was written by scholars at the Watson Institute of International and Public Affairs at Brown University. And they run a very useful project that's called Costs of War. And they've published a series of reports Back in 2021, they published another study that looked at the number of people displaced by U.S. wars following 9-11, and they wrote, 38 million people have been displaced, becoming refugees seeking safety in another country, or becoming internally displaced people within their own country. As a result of the wars the U.S. military has fought since 2001, that is more than those displaced by any war or disaster since the start of the 20th century, except for World War II. By the way, they also stressed in the report that 38 million is a very conservative estimate. The total displaced by the U.S. post 9-11 wars could be closer to 49 to 60 million people, which would rival the displacement caused by World War II. The study concluded that 6 million people were displaced in Afghanistan, 4 million in Pakistan, nearly 5 million in Yemen, 4 million in Somalia, 2 million in the Philippines, a country where the U.S. military was involved in so-called counterterrorism operations as part of the war on terror, although it's not often discussed, 9 million in Iraq, 1 million in Libya, and 7 million in Syria. And again, they stress that this is just a very conservative estimate. Now, the latest report released by Brown University's Cost of War Project was published this May, and it's titled How Death Outlives War, the Reverberating Impact of the Post-9-11 Wars on Human Health. Now, this report is 39 pages long, so obviously I'm not going to go through all of it. It would take too much time. 
but I wanna go through some of the main highlights. I read every page of the report and I summarized some of the main points from my report today. And the report is divided here in several parts. One focuses on the effects of economic collapse and food insecurity due to war. It also focused on the destruction of health infrastructure and public services, on the contamination of the environment and the continued reverberating trauma and violence that echoes still today after these two decades of U.S. wars. The report begins with a very straightforward summary, which is their main findings. They found that the total death toll in the post 9-11 war zones of Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen could be at least 4.5 to 4.6 million and counting although the precise mortality figure remains unknown. And once again, these are also conservative figures. They note that around 1 million, over 900,000, close to 1 million of these people were directly killed in fighting. However, far more, especially children, have been killed by the reverberating effects of war, such as the spread of disease, the scholars attribute 3.6 to 3.7 million deaths to indirect causes, largely because of health problems and economic problems caused by the war. And in the case of Afghanistan, even though the U.S. military technically withdrew, today Afghans are suffering and dying from war-related causes at higher rates than ever. Now, also in this report, they looked at the effects of the NATO war on Libya and the U.S. military operations in Somalia. So they looked at Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Libya, and Somalia. And as is always in the case in wars and violent conflicts, the report emphasized that the groups that suffer the most from these wars are marginalized groups, especially women and children, who suffer the brunt of the ongoing impacts of the wars. Now, in the vast majority of wars throughout history, up to today, the vast majority of people who lose their lives do so because of indirect causes. They're referred to as indirect deaths. They die because hospitals or health centers are destroyed in the war, so they don't have access to health treatment, or roads are destroyed, so they don't have the roads to drive on to go to the hospital, or they simply die because water treatment facilities are destroyed and they can't get access to clean water and they get a disease, or they die because they their livelihoods are destroyed, their farm or their business is destroyed and they have no way of surviving, and if they can't you know, flee, then they often die of starvation or something. So this is not unique to these post-9-11 wars that the U.S. waged, but the report highlights the devastating consequences. It notes that in the wake of the U.S. war in Afghanistan, tens of thousands of children under five are dying of infectious diseases like cholera and measles, also, they're dying of acute malnutrition. Their bodies are literally wasting away or because of neonatal complications after they're born. Indirect deaths are attributable to the deterioration of economic, social, psychological, and health conditions due to war. The large majority of indirect war deaths occurred due to malnutrition, pregnancy, and birth-related problems. And many illnesses include infectious diseases and non-communicable diseases like cancer. Also, 
it's due to war's destruction of infrastructure such as traffic signals and trauma and interpersonal violence. As an example of a past U.S. war, they noted that in the war that the United States waged on Korea in the 1950s, five to six million Koreans died. I repeat that, five to six million deaths. And as a result, about 20% were direct and 80% were indirect deaths. So, I mean, the U.S. destroyed Korea. I mean, the, the devastation, the borderline genocidal war that the U.S. waged on Korea is just unthinkable. About 1 million were killed in the bombing and destruction, and the U.S. destroyed 80% of the buildings in, all, in Korea. But furthermore, about 5 million died indirect causes, which the great majority was by starvation and, and other war causes. The Brown University scholars pointed out that in conflict areas, children are 20 times more likely to die of diarrhea than they are from the conflict itself. And by the way, when we're talking about deaths, which is, of course, the ultimate loss, the ultimate tragedy, it's also very easy to forget about the other tragedies, like the millions, tens, millions more people who suffer from injuries and diseases, but who don't lose their lives. The study pointed out, for instance, that for every person who dies of a waterborne disease because war destroyed their access to safe drinking water and waste treatment facilities, there are many more people who get sick. So when a bomb destroys a rural hospital and lo local people lose access to healthcare, it results in higher death rates from illness and birth complications as well. In addition to the devastating death toll of 4.5 million, this study also estimated that more than 7.6 million children under age five are suffering today in these countries due to the U.S. wars from acute malnutrition, which is wasting away. Wasting in this case quite literally means that the children do not have enough food, so they are wasting to skin and bones. Their muscles are being eaten by their body so they don't starve to death, which obviously puts these children at a much greater risk of death. There is a horrifying graph that they included in this study, which looks at the rates of child malnutrition in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, and compared it to the US. And it shows the percentage of children who are wasting away their body mass is being eaten away from starvation. And in Afghanistan and Yemen, around 50%, half of children are wasting away due to starvation. And in Somalia, nearly 60% of children are wasting away due to starvation. So that means that in Afghanistan, there are 3 million children basically on the verge of starving to death. In Yemen, 2 million. And in Somalia, another nearly 2 million children. In addition to children suffering, women also bear serious consequences from these conflicts. The study said that whereas men were more likely to die in combat, women and children were more likely to be killed by the rever reverberating impacts of the war. And also people in rural areas who tend to be poorer and have less access to state services, they are more likely to die as well. So the study noted that people who suffer from societal injustices due to poverty, gender, race, ethnicity, and or the legacies of colonialism have a higher risk. 
And of course, poverty is statistically associated with higher mortality rates and lower life expectancy. So clearly, if you're poor, you don't have many opportunities to get out of the country to move. Whereas if you're rich, you can, you know, find a new place that's safer. And the report pointed out, you know, this is obvious, but it, it deserves emphasizing that the post 9-11 wars and the so-called war on terror occurred in countries whose populations are largely black and brown and are often waged war against by colonialist and imperialist countries with histories of white supremacy and Islamophobia. Now, the report doesn't mention imperialism because they focus simply on the identity element of Islamophobia and white supremacy, which is part of it. But we, I should emphasize imperialism. These are wars of imperial conquest to control regions of the world that are geostrategically important because they have large hydrocarbons reserves that the U.S. wants to exploit oil and gas. They're geostrategically located in the case of a country like Somalia on the eastern coast of Africa, the Horn of Africa, where a huge percentage of international trade goes through every single day. The war in Yemen also is right there on the Bab al-Mandab, the Mandab Strait, where every single day there are more than three million barrels of oil who go through. So these are imperialist wars. And we're talking about millions of human beings who have lost their lives in this war, these wars for U.S. empire. Now, this report is one of the more conservative reports that we've seen out there looking at the death toll of wars waged by the United States. Others have had even higher death tolls. For instance, they pointed to a 2006 scholarly article that was published in The Lancet, which is a leading medical journal. And that article found that 600,000 Iraqis had died just due to the violence of the war between 2003 and 2006. So when they say that 4.5 million people have died because of these U.S. wars, I need to stress again, this is a conservative estimate. Now, I talked about how the majority of lives lost in pretty much all wars is due to indirect deaths. And this study pointed out that this is largely because of economic collapse, loss of livelihood and food insecurity. And they summarize saying that the post 9-11 wars have caused widespread economic hardship for people in the war zones and poverty in turn has been accompanied by food insecurity and malnutrition, which have led to diseases and death, particularly among children under age five. And furthermore, in addition to the wars with U.S. boots on the ground, the U.S. drone wars that Washington has waged against countries like Pakistan, in addition to Afghanistan and Somalia, have resulted in consequences like destroying the livelihood sources of poor and working people so they starve to death, and U.S. so-called counterterrorism restrictions in places like Somalia has hampered the delivery of humanitarian food aid, which has fueled famine and mass starvation. One of the most horrifying examples of this is Afghanistan, where the study says today Afghanistan's economy has collapsed and over half of the population now lives in extreme poverty on less than $2 per day. I repeat, half of the entire population of Afghanistan, in the entire country, there are about 40 million people. So 20 million people are in extreme poverty today. And 95% of Afghans are not getting enough food to eat 
women-led households 100% are not getting enough food to eat. 19 million people were acutely food insecure in 2022. 4 million children are acutely malnourished or wasting away. They don't have enough food and their body is literally consuming itself. 1 million Afghan children are at risk of death. Now, a point that this report doesn't mention, but I want to stress, is that this is because of the economic war that the United States continues to wage of Afghanistan after withdrawing. The United States has imposed sanctions in Afghanistan and Washington stole $9 billion in foreign exchange reserves belonging to the Afghan Central Bank. So stealing the country's savings, essentially, which has caused hyperinflation because there is no foreign exchange reserves in the central bank. They can't get access to more hard currency because of Western sanctions. So their currency has completely devalued. It's basically worthless. And because average Afghans are paid in the local currency and they don't have access to foreign currency, they can't abort, afford to buy food. So they're starving to death. The U.S. is causing a famine in Afghanistan through its sanctions and its theft of the Afghan central bank's foreign exchange reserves. So despite the U.S. military officially leaving Afghanistan after 20 years of military occupation and hundreds of thousands of deaths. Now, the U.S. continues to wage economic war in Afghanistan. The story is not dissimilar in Iraq. Still today, the U.S. military has troops occupying Iraq illegally, despite the fact that the Iraqi parliament voted unanimously in 2020 in January when Donald Trump murdered the top Iranian general Qasem Soleimani and the top Iraqi general Abu Mahdi al-Mahandis, the Iraqi parliament voted unanimously to expel the U.S. military troops that are occupying their country and Washington refused. It's still occupying Iraq today and the children of Iraq are still suffering the consequences of the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003. The report from Brown University noted that in Iraq, the U.S.-led war has been, among other factors, contributing to widespread child malnutrition. The primary drivers of death among Iraqi children under age five are lower respiratory tract infections, diarrhea, and measles, all of which are easily preventable or curable if the country actually had the resources that it needs, which it doesn't because of the war and the West's, the U.S.'s destruction of its health sector. In Syria, where which is also still under U.S. military occupation illegally, there are similar problems, including polio, measles, typhoid, influenza, acute diarrhea, and other illnesses that are also easily preventable or treatable. And in Yemen, a war that the United States backed that was waged through Saudi Arabia, but as, acting as a U.S. and a British proxy, flying U.S. planes, using U.S. missiles, following the orders of the U.S. military with U.S. and British military officials physically in the command and control room for the Saudi military operations. Due to that war and the Saudi blockade on the northern part of Yemen, where the majority of the, the civilian population lives, majority of the population lives, there has been an economic collapse and a hunger catastrophe. More than 17 million Yemenis are food insecure and 7 million facing emergency levels of hunger. An estimated 85,000 Yemeni children under age five have likely died to, due to starvation in Yemen due to this war backed by the US and Britain. 
I mentioned that the U.S. drone war, which is waged ostensibly in order to protect lives, has also devastated the lives of people living in countries that are targeted by U.S. drones like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Yemen, and Somalia. And the report noted that U.S. airstrikes in Somalia damaged farms and livestock. This led to a severe impact and the destruction of livelihoods of populations who depend on the land for their survival. And the report warned this effect cannot be underestimated. In Somalia, so-called U.S. counterterrorism laws have hampered humanitarian relief efforts, intensifying the effects of famine. In 2011, the United Nations declared a famine in a certain region of Somalia where the fascist extremist group Al-Shabaab is active, and at least 258,000 people, including 133,000 children under age five, died from 2010 until 2012. And the U.S. sanctions and counterterrorism laws prevented humanitarian aid from going to that region, which could have saved some of those people who starved to death. And today, in 2023, Somalia is facing the possibility of another famine. Another so-called causal pathway highlighted by this report, which leads to indirect deaths in these wars, is the destruction of hospitals, clinics, and medical supplies, water and sanitation systems, electricity, roads, and traffic signals, infrastructure for farming and shipping goods, and much more. All of these, all this infrastructure is destroyed, damaged, or disrupted with devastating and lasting consequences for humans. Those were just some of the main points that I wanted to highlight in this report. Like I said, it's pretty long and it's pretty repetitive, but those are the main points to take away. And I want to conclude here just simply reflecting on the fact that it's common to hear people claim that the world has been so peaceful under U.S. hegemony since the overthrow of the Soviet Union in 1991 and the end of the first Cold War. We've been bombarded with propaganda claiming it was the end of history, that Western capitalist neoliberal democracy was the final stage of human development, and it was referred to as an era of peace and so-called Pax Americana, which is completely ridiculous. Pax Americana is, in Latin, American peace, the age of American peace. But what peace are they talking about? We're talking about millions of deaths just since 9-11 in 2001, not to mention the wars in the 1990s, like the first war on Iraq, the Gulf War, in which the U.S. destroyed Iraqi civilian infrastructure, bombing bridges and roads and hospitals. And then when Iraqi soldiers were fleeing, the U.S. Air Force massacred them on the so-called highway of death as they were literally fleeing and had their backs turned against them. So excluding that war, excluding the war, the NATO war that destroyed Yugoslavia in the 1990s, no, Yugoslavia no longer exists as a country, not to mention the U.S. invasion of Panama in 1989 and 1990 that resulted in thousands of civilians dying largely in poor barrios. I mean, where is the peace that they talk about when they talk about Pax Americana? It's completely 
fake. It's propaganda. The reality is that the world has been devastated by nonstop wars and military interventions and coups and regime change operations and so-called color revolutions backed by the United States in the era of unipolar imperial hegemony after the overthrow of the Soviet Union in 1991. That's what real Pax Americana was. It was it was Imperio Norteamericano. It was the global U.S. empire, and it resulted in millions of deaths, literally mil tens of millions of deaths, not to mention the sanctions that resulted in millions of deaths in Iraq, the sanctions that have resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths in Venezuela. The list is on. It has been absolutely devastating. In fact, I went through U.S. congressional data from the U.S. Congressional Research Service, and I went through every single U.S. foreign military intervention listed in the data, and I counted every one according to official U.S. government documents. And that means that since 1798, the U.S. has admitted to launching 469 foreign military interventions. And just since 1991, there have been more than half of those interventions, 251 foreign U.S. military interventions since the end of the first Cold War in the era of unipolar U.S. imperial hegemony. That is what actual Pax Americana means. It means constant, nonstop U.S. military interventions abroad. I mentioned earlier that this Brown University study is one part of a growing body of academic research looking at the devastating death toll of the post 9-11 wars waged by Washington. And there was a similar report published back in 2015 by the Nobel Prize winning organization International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War. They estimated that 1.2 million people died in the U.S. wars on Iraq and Afghanistan and also the spillover into Pakistan as of 2015. And that doesn't include the subsequent six years of the war in Afghanistan. In this 2015 study, the group International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War wrote that they estimated more than 1 million people were killed in Iraq, 220,000 people in Afghanistan, and 80,000 people in Pakistan. And that doesn't include the death toll in the war in Yemen. And they emphasize, I'm reading from their report, quote, this is only a conservative estimate. The total number of deaths in the three countries, that is Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, could be in excess of 2 million deaths, whereas a figure below 1 million is extremely unlikely. That was as of 2015. So these are two different studies conducted by very established mainstream organizations. One of them is Brown University and Ivy League School. It's constantly listed as one of the top most prestigious schools in the United States and the world. Their mainstream establishment scholars have acknowledged millions of people dying and suffering and starving because of these post 9-11 wars waged by the United States. Not to, to defend anything, not to defend human rights or democracy, and then to fight so-called terrorism in imperial wars of conquest and domination to control the natural resources 
and the geostrategic locations of these countries. These are were wars for empire, wars for capital, wars for corporate profit, not wars that actually helped anyone. They didn't help anyone. They destroyed millions of people's lives. And I'm really tired of people whitewashing how devastating the U.S. empire was for the entire world. And as we see an increasingly multipolar world, there is constant propaganda and rosy retrospection saying, well, China is going to be so much worse than the U.S. Look how great the world was in the 1990s and 2000s under U.S. unipolar imperial hege hegemonic domination. What are they talking about? This is the reality of what the U.S. empire and Pax Americana looked like. Millions of people died. Tens of millions of people were turned into refugees and displaced. And countless people had their livelihoods destroyed. Also, a bunch of billionaire oligarchs could get richer and, and the U.S. economy and Western economies could become more and more unequal as their own people get poorer. Also, a small handful of rich capitalist oligarchs could get rich. They were the ones who benefited. With that said, I'm going to conclude here. I, I can keep, uh, you know, ranting further, but I think this is a good time to end. I'm Ben Norton. I'm editor of Geopolitical Economy Report. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. Please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching or listening on. It helps to promote this material in the algorithm. And if you want to support the work that we do here, we have no institutional support, no big sponsors. We rely entirely on small donations. And you can yourself can be a small donor if you go to geopoliticaleconomy.com slash support. And the best way to support us is becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. And in the description below, I will include links to the sources that I discussed today in an article that you can share focusing on the results of these studies on the post 9-11 U.S. wars. Again, I want to thank everyone. I'll see you next time.